Someone messaged me the other day being like, how do you like standardize your data for like rinks? I'm like, what do you mean? Like the different rink sizes? Because I don't put the dots as far back if they have a shorter neutrals, like a shorter like yeah. zone than average. And she's like, no, 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 no. For like different collectors. I'm like, I collected all myself. That kind of takes out third person bias. It's just my bias repeated on every game. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Chilling with Charlie. If you like stats and sports and the intersection of the two, then hopefully this is the podcast for you. And you've done like NHL and stuff, like try to analyse that? Uh, Not really. There's already like a huge mountain of people uh, analysing the NHL. I'd say behind maybe basketball. It's probably like the second biggest sport for like publicly available sports analytics just because... There's a lot of data you can get from the NHL website and, like, their API and stuff, whereas with, like, the NFL's not great at it, giving publicly accessible data, that they just did a big thing for the Combine. Yeah, the data ball. Yeah, data ball, which was massive for them, and lots of people were really excited about that happening. And obviously, like, people have been doing baseball data since, like, the dawn of time, but, like... We've kind of gone, like, as far as we can go, I think, with, like, publicly available, like, baseball data, unless, like, some, unless, until the league releases, like, new data points. Did you see the, the ringer they just released? Cincinnati Reds gave them all their scouting reports. Yeah, yeah, I've seen, like, five different people be like, release the actual reports, you cowards. Because, <laughs> yeah, right, like, baseball's just very, until we get new data metrics kind of thing. Like, people are either having to, like, manually track weird, super niche things. There's just nothing new. They've done everything that you can do with that sport. Do you collect any custom metrics? So something that, like, you think's important, but that's not on the NHL website? I do a little bit of, like, zone entry, zone exits with the leagues but nothing that I've got like a big enough data set that like I've done anything with but like other people have done it with the NHL just because there are a lot of people in NHL that are far smarter than me kind of thing I spend a lot of time being like that's really cool I wonder if I can do it with women's hockey kind of thing because just no one's doing women's hockey which is a bit of a cheats way out I just you know you look at the NHL and you're like great excellent they're doing this really cool thing I wonder if I can do this really cool thing but the fact is there's just way smarter people than me in men's hockey data. Is there any other sport you're into as well? Like, not so much with, like, the data end of things. Like, I jokingly tracked possession at the Matildas game last week because I could on, like, the back of a McDonald's receipt. So that was a mess. But, like, it was fun to try and track something different. Um, like, there's a lot of sports I watch. So red is period one. Oof. Half one, how does football work? And then green is the other half. I'm not sure if they know the left side of the field exists. Actually, that's a lie. Ellie Carpenter's just really good and it's like all of those passes up the right-hand side. <laughs> oh, cool. So how do you know, like, so there's no time element to this? No, that was just when they, whenever they got the ball and where they were passing it until they lost possession. Yeah, it's hard to integrate time. That really requires either, like, a computer system to do it for you that, like, links in with the actual, like, game clock. Yeah. Or another human being. Yeah. Because you can't, like, be recording shots 
yeah. and like tracking time at the same time. So we've been looking at some stuff with the AWIHL and like integrating it with our game clocks so that we can get time-based shot data, which would be nice. Is this sort of like work you're doing for free with Yeah. I have not been paid. Being paid would be nice, but it's just not happening in women's hockey anytime soon. A lot of people might complain about data not being available, but how many of them go out there and collect data themselves to do the work that they want to do? Alyssa's done that. She's done some great work with the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League, and you can read a lot of her great content on Even Strength and the Ice Garden. Running a podcast costs money. Chilling with Charlie is proudly sponsored by Betfair Australia. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. They are not a bookmaker and you can see how they champion data modelling by checking out bit.ly forward slash Betfair Charlie. Gamble responsibly. Welcome to the pod. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself, uh, what got you into hockey, how long have you been doing it for? Uh, yes, yeah, so I've been watching hockey for almost five years, which is like relatively short in the scheme of things. But I feel like when you're Australian, it takes maybe a little bit longer uh, to get into it. But I started watching while doing study abroad in Scotland because one of my roommates uh, was from Edmonton. So, you know, got into the Oilers, found out they were bad had to find numbers to back up that they were bad um and yeah then just like slowly moved into like the Australian ice hockey and women's hockey circles which is where I do most of my stuff now so what got you into just collecting stats uh, yourself why don't you just tell us a bit about that journey um yeah so like obviously I'd been watching the NHL and there's like a wealth of like publicly accessible data for that and a lot of people doing really good analysis and for someone who was like just getting into the sport I'd found that really good to kind of just like validate the eye test and be like okay I think this player is bad and then oh look the numbers say they're bad as well good great I'm on the right track uh, but as I got into both Australian hockey and women's hockey in general um, I was discovering more and more that it just the numbers didn't exist like if you had shots on goal per player, that's still like there's one women's league in the world that does that, which is really poor form, frankly. So, you know, I when I started kind of getting into the Australian Women's League and doing more broadcasting for that, I was finding it really frustrating trying to broadcast without what I considered fairly standard metrics like a player can go like you know hockey isn't like obviously as low scoring as like some sports like soccer where like, you know, you might get one goal a game and like you get two wow that's like a really high scoring game kind of thing these are leagues that you know you're getting teams scoring up to 10 goals a game sometimes so it was really frustrating me when I could only see who'd scored the goal not like how many times did a person shoot when you're looking at games where you're watching it and you're like there's got to be like 40 shots on the board for a team here but I, I don't know who's doing all of that so I'm really sad just tracking it myself to be like well if no one's going to give me the data, I might as well find it kind of thing. Like it's right there. So just, you know, on bits of note paper and like random scraps around the place at starters and then getting um, as this uh, year's uh, season kind of ramped up, actually having like a sheet that I'd printed out to do it on and then digitizing all of that so that I could actually, you know, do something with the numbers rather than just have it be like chicken scratch in my notebook. How many games roughly have you done so far? For the AWIHL data set, there were 30 games this uh, in the regular season. So we've tracked every single one of those. So we have a complete data set for every player that's played. So that was 100 skaters, I want to say 12 goaltenders, and 30 games played. 
we have every single shot taken in that data set now. So that's pretty much, to my knowledge, unless someone else has been tracking whole season's worth of data and didn't tell me, in which case, rude. Um, That's the most comprehensive data set that exists in Australian ice hockey full stop, including men's. So that's cool, but it's also not something that's achievable in men's because not all of their games are broadcast. So it's going to be a while till we get it for anything other than the Australian Women's League. How do you decide what to collect? I'd done shots because it's uh, kind of one of the most basic metrics. And from that, you can get obviously not only the number of shots a player is taking, but also where they're taking them from, you know, where goalies are facing them from. And also from stuff like that, you can get like a very basic version of, but still um, a version of expected goals, which is kind of an advanced hockey metric based on For at least the NHL, they do it based on the location of shot, how long it's been since the last shot, and like a couple of other things like smushed into it. Ours is only based on where the location of the shot is, but, you know, it gives us that look like historically from this season's worth of data is that like how likely is that shot to go in from that shot location so then we can look at you know which players are performing really well like which players may be outperforming what we're expecting them to be which players are maybe due for a goal you know how are the goaltenders going because obviously you know you can put a goaltender out there particularly in a league that like struggles a little bit with parity you can put a goaltender out there on a team that loses a lot and it can look like they're having a really bad season But if their defense in front of them is garbage and, you know, they're having to face 40, 50 shots per game and they're not just 40 to 50 like average shots, like these are really high quality chances, they're probably actually playing better than like their goals against average or their save percentage is going to suggest. What really got you into this, I guess, analytical side of ice hockey and just not being, I guess, more of a casual fan, but really loving the numbers behind the sport? I was always a bit of a math person. I'm a teacher so first and foremost I've always liked learning about things like I'm very much a learning nerd which is great from a teaching perspective but yeah as I kind of got into hockey and like was using numbers just to like validate at first um being like yeah okay I am correct about this thing that I think I'm seeing and then it kind of became more you know I want to look at them to like prove things that I can't necessarily fully see kind of thing like answering the questions like why is this team penalty kill bad like why aren't they doing this properly like what's their possession like rather than just you know looking at like goals assists like what's the basic score line and what our basic box scores are so yeah really for me it was just I really enjoy learning uh, and as I got more and more into the sport I just wanted to learn more and more about the sport and I'm not the most coordinated person so you know there's kind of two routes once you've finished when you're watching a sport and you're like, wow, I want to learn more about this, you can either go into the analytics side of things or you can go into the play the game side of things and due to the fact I am probably the most likely person in the world to immediately could get a concussion upon putting a stick in my hand and telling me to watch out for like the 40 kilometer an hour flying piece of frozen rubber I figured the numbers was probably the better bet. (laughs) So you did some sports analytics degree? Kind of. When I finished my undergrad about halfway through I suppose the current ice hockey timeline of my life when I was kind of yeah just really starting to get into like not just consuming other people's data but like I'd noticed there was this massive like gaping hole from like Australian data and women's hockey data just worldwide in general 
but I couldn't work out how to fix it. And I couldn't really find courses online that like specified exactly how to fix it. Like if you go and ask someone, oh, how do I get hockey play-by-play done? They're going to be like, okay, you need to run this package that you can get off GitHub and you're going to run it through the NHL's API. And I'm like, okay, but I don't want to use the NHL's API. I want to be looking at, you know, like the women's hockey APIs. Like how do I do that? Or like how do I track a game kind of thing? There just seemed to be very few answers in that area and it's gotten a lot better since then. But yeah, at the time I was like, there's no, I, I don't understand how to do what I want to do. Like I've done a very thorough web search and I feel like I'm pretty good at doing web searches. It's not like it's just hiding there. And I found, while I was doing that, I found this course. So Graduate Certificate of Sports Analytics through University of Canberra. It's six months. I was like, I have a spare six months. Let's do this. So I was doing that at the same time I applied for um, Hockey Graphs. It's one of the major repositories of like hockey analytics writing so not your databases or anything like but like the people who are making these databases and creating these advanced stats that's a very common place where that information is like written up nice and formally kind of thing and they do a lot of conferences and stuff in North America as well they just launched this mentorship program and I was like great signing myself up for that so yeah between that and the graduate certificate in the space of about six months, I like rapidly upskilled until I was kind of like, okay, I could, I can do this now. Like, I feel like I have some appropriate skills and uh, just floundering around in the dark, which was nice. Can you tell us a bit more about your Hockey Graphs um, mentorship? Hockey Graphs has been around for a very long time. And so a lot of the people who are involved with it uh, aren't necessarily super involved publicly anymore because they are a lot of them people who have been picked up by NHL teams or by other sporting teams. There's people on that side who have literally won a Super Bowl ring. Like, what? Who wins a Super Bowl ring in their first year out of college? Like, that's upsetting. But yeah, so they do a really good job of trying to pair people who are just getting into hockey analytics and kind of wanting someone to kind of guide them through like what should I be looking at and what should I be learning because there is so much you can learn within the space of like analytics in general but like hockey analytics specifically so they really try and pair people off with people who have you know similar skills or similar interests to help them work out how to do their next project and you know it's been I feel fairly successful it's just coming up to the end of its second year now Um, So obviously I went through in the first class, so we were a bit of a test subject. And so, yeah, I had like my mentor was great, really good on like helping me learn how to like get what data I could from the Australian League's websites, which, you know, didn't necessarily turn out the way I wanted to. But that was more so just because the data I wanted wasn't physically there. It's not like with some sites where it's like, you know, hiding in the background, deep buried in the API is this play by play data. Like it's, it's just not no one does it so it's not there to take in the first place but yeah I found it really good to kind of run things by someone and be like hey I'm stuck on this help me out with that and also through that you know I made a lot of friends who are also really good at sports analytics so you know if we get stuck on something you know you can message them and be like hey how do we fix this like when we were launching even strength which is one of the well the first publicly available repository of like advanced women's hockey statistics we were like constantly talking to a couple of other people that are involved in hockey with hockey graphs in some capacity who have already made similar websites for men's hockey being like hey this isn't working how does yours work kind of thing or like hey we're stuck on this thing 
how do we fix this? And like, same goes for them. Like occasionally they'll find something that like we'd done that they hadn't done yet and be like, Hey, how's this working out for you? Kind of thing. Let me know. So it's been a really like welcoming community, which has been nice. Cause you know, there's definitely anything in sport, particularly when it involves data, people can get a little bit uh, protective over, you know, their data or their metrics or whatever kind of thing. But so far I found hockey's been quite open and sharing. Obviously you still have like that old guard that originally went through that, it's very much like, no, no one can know how I do this. But everyone else is fairly, you know, open with how they do things and how they make things and making sure code is publicly available. And if it's not publicly available, making sure there's like a very comprehensive write-up that logically, if you wanted to recreate the thing, you could. But, you know, you're going to have to put a bit of thought into it. So, yeah, the Hockey Graphs uh, mentorship was really good uh, for kind of making those connections, particularly someone who... Like I followed a lot of people in sports analytics, but I wasn't necessarily friends with them. So that's really helped in that regards, I guess. Who are you following in sports analytics? In hockey analytics specifically, um, Micah McCurdy, he's at Ineffective Maths on Twitter. The dude is like a genius, like has a maths PhD kind of thing um, when he does... Conference. He did that in Sydney, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did that at Macquarie. Um, he's a Swan supporter. I'm GWS, so we constantly rag each other out over that. It's always a good time because neither of us are particularly invested. And yet we will throw down on Twitter at each other over this. But yeah, so every time he does a conference talk, like they've got the Seattle Hockey Analyst Conference is coming up and most people have like a half an hour time slot. Micah has an hour and a half because they stopped giving him half an hour time slots because he either went over because he wrote too much or because it was too complicated to explain or because he had to stop in the middle and like do like a mini sub talk on something that he just kind of assumed was a maths thing that everyone knew when in reality it's like nobody you need to have a PhD or at least a master's in mathematics to understand this and no one else in this room does like can you slow it down for us um so yeah he's brilliant another one is Emmanuel Perry he previously ran uh, Corsica which just went offline but there's still a lot of his stuff on war ratings and stuff in hockey um that is publicly available the i just call them the evolving wild twins luke and josh they're great i never know which one of them i'm talking to because they share an account they were really good when we were first making even strength because they just finished making the evolving hockey site at about the same time and they're doing again some really good stuff with war and looking at like wins above replacement in hockey and just really delving into like super advanced metrics that aren't necessarily like fully fleshed out in hockey yet. Like there isn't a standardized way of doing it in the same way that like baseball has war, obviously, and it's been around for a while. And there's like a set formula for how you calculate that. Whereas in hockey, everyone's still coming up with their own war formulas, throwing them at the wall and like taking bits and pieces of other people's and seeing what works and what doesn't. So we're still very much in the building stage, but Yeah, those three are all fantastic followers that I would 100% recommend. (laughs) I guess you've done expected goals. What sort of the next stages for you? I suppose for me, in terms of like publicly available stuff I'd lovely to give us would be shot attempts rather than just shots on goal. Because like as much as people are moving away from things like Corsi, which has kind of been like, I guess, a mainstay advanced metric over the past five to 10 years, 
it relies on counting all shots, not just shots that would reach the goal should the goaltender not be in the way. And, like, yeah, people are definitely moving away from that and towards war as, like, a more holistic, like, this is a better catch-all number. But we're, like, a long distance away from getting war or even getting close to enough metrics to, like, build it. So in the meanwhile, I'd really love it if we could have just unblock shots so that we can do something like Corsi or even just, like, it sounds simple, um, but, like, shift charts would be amazing because then you can start looking at which players are on the ice when every event takes place, not just when a goal takes place, which is all it's tracked for in any of women's hockey right now is, yeah, who are the five players for both teams on the ice should the puck end up in the back of the net. But when you start looking at who's on the ice for shots, that's when you can start like adjusting to see what an individual's player's impact on the play is. And, you know, from that you can start getting more exciting things. But, yeah, at the moment we're kind of, in terms of, like, publicly available stuff, we're really waiting on the leagues to accept that analytics is something they should probably maybe care about a little bit more. That's why we do have people doing the manual tracking. Like, it's why I'm doing the A-dub stuff. Like, admittedly, that's still very simplistic. But I'm also trying to commentate the game at the same time. So I'll give myself a pass there. But, yeah, so, you know, we're getting shots which didn't exist for that before. And, like, with the NNWHL, I'm looking at zone entries, which doesn't exist publicly kind of thing. It's, yeah, really just... There's going to be, like, we're starting to get more and more people delve into women's hockey analytics, which means we're going to get more and more of this, like, hand-tracked microdata. But at the same time, we're still waiting on a lot of that macrodata that seems very simple to kind of arrive so we can do stuff with it, which would be nice. But, yeah, I think it's, yeah, we've got to wait for the leagues to catch up uh, in terms of what they make available. But at the same time, I think we're going to see more and more people getting into it and like starting to look at tracking all that micro stuff as video streams and that become more prevalent. So are the leagues tracking this macro stuff that you're after and just not releasing it? Uh, No, neither league to my knowledge is tracking shifts or time on ice. There might be individual teams doing it, but not to my knowledge. So it's nothing that like they've mentioned in an interview. I don't know of any team in either of the major women's leagues, so the NWHL or the CWHL, that employs volunteer or paid someone specifically for analytics, which I really, yeah, do think is the next step. They're starting to get, like particularly when we don't have a lot of publicly available data, um, and you're starting to see the NHL teams that are investing in analytics are starting to see like the returns of that, you know, Uh, The Leafs in their scouting department, Kyle Dubas is a self-confessed big, not necessarily like analytics lives in his mum basement, like numbers guy, but he like puts a lot of stock into the numbers and into checking what they have to say. And they've built a really good development system from that and are now one of the strongest teams in the league. You have Pittsburgh won back-to-back cups recently, big analytics like force there. At the same time, you know, there's teams that have, very publicly been branded analytics teams because they very publicly went all in on this analytics thing but it wasn't necessarily like top to bottom in the organization like you know you can hire out an entire analytics department you know have 10 people working there but that doesn't matter if the person who's making the decisions 
thinks the numbers are bogus. So, you know, Florida definitely got a bad rap for being an analytics team and fired a bunch of people over it. Arizona's similar. Their GM, quite the same as uh, Kyle Dubas, he originally was involved in actually building um, one of the major analytics providers for teams, I guess. So it's not like publicly available stuff, but, you know, stuff that they'll like teams will hire out this company to like do work for them. Um, So he previously founded that with a couple of different people and now is GM of one of the teams. And Arizona was really bad for a couple of years just after he was GM. And there was a lot of, uh, you know, it must be the analytics. Whereas it's like, well, no, all of the decisions we know they've made based on numbers have panned out pretty well. So like, can't be too bad kind of thing. So yeah, but I think It'll be interesting to see which women's team jumps on, I guess, the analytics train first. I think Buffalo definitely has the potential to. They have a really big partnership uh, with the Buffalo Sabres, which are the NHL team there. They're both owned by the same company. So I think as we see the Buffalo Sabres start to buy in to analytics a little bit more, I think we'll see the flow-on effects uh, happening on the women's side. But Buffalo is also very secretive, so I don't think we'll necessarily know when that's happening unless someone, like, breaks and says something publicly that they shouldn't. But, yeah, that's, from my perspective, at least the first team I'm expecting to buy in just based on access to resources and, you know, how close they are with their partner team. Like, there's a lot of women's teams who do have a partner team in the NHL. But that's like to different degrees of partnership. And I just think Buffalo's the most likely, the first one to, I guess, break through uh, in that regard. So what's a metric that you would love to track but just haven't gotten around to? I'd really love to do like a full season set of the zone entries and exits. There's like a similar set that's obviously not full season because an NHL season is just too many games for too many teams to like manually track something. But... Corey, he's a shut down line on Twitter because I can't pronounce his last name to save my life. He does a really good job of tracking too many games a week. Zone entries, zone exits, passes, where the passes are coming from immediately before a goal and has yet these really fleshed out data sets on how different teams, you know, move the puck through the neutral zone and how they're creating offense. And, you know, it would just be great to have something like that fully done for women's hockey like I've tried to get started on doing it it just takes so long to do and he's definitely had a lot of practice and can track a game in a lot less time than I can because I felt like I was stopping every five seconds to like rewind back 20 seconds and watch the three passes I missed and who did they come from kind of thing but yeah because I think that'd be really handy just to kind of start articulating the differences between the men's and the women's games. Obviously there's, you know, some minor rule differences in regards to like what type of hits are allowed to be laid, but all in all, like there's been a general assumption for, I feel like years that the women's game is faster and it's more skilled in a way because they can't rely necessarily on the same level of physicality as the men's game can to like retrieve the puck. So, you know, it's a lot more controlled entries and a lot more possession play. And I think it would be really just interesting to actually get the data to back that up and actually have a proper look into it. Because at the moment, it's just very much the eye test. Like it's people who watch a lot of hockey being like, this is what I think I see. But me being me, I would like to know if that's possible. So yeah, definitely the next thing I'm looking at is just a matter of trying to find the time to do it as with everything. So how long does it take for you to do a hockey game? To track 
um, an AWIHL game. I do it live during the game. So it takes the 60 in-play minutes or two to three hours that a game takes to get all my paper tracking done. After the paper tracking's done, I'd say it takes maybe 15 to 25 minutes to input all of the shots. It really just depends how many shots are in a game. Obviously, if it's been a high shooting game, it takes a little bit longer, not just because you're trying to key in more numbers, but because those numbers on my piece of paper are a lot closer together and they're written over the top of each other. And you're looking and you're like, is there a 25 or a 26 kind of thing? Like you kind of got to decipher the chicken scratch and work out what exactly was I trying to write here? And then once that's in, now it's really simple because I just kind of like click a button, run it through R, R spits it back out, Tableau pulls it in and makes a pretty graph. Well, adds it to the pretty graph that already exists kind of thing. But at the beginning, making that took like a solid while. And there's still some things on top of that. Like I still enter manually like uh, who got the assists and who the goaltenders were. But I tend to do that more in like big game chunks. Like I'd wait two or three weekends and then I'd do a bunch of games at the same time going through just bringing up all the goals, making sure I had all the goal scorers correct, making sure I've got who got the assists in, making sure I have the right goaltender they're shooting on just so we can get like a more... I guess, holistic view of what was happening in the game and it's all there and you're not having to like go look it up somewhere else every single time you want to check it. But yeah, that's probably like another half an hour to an hour depending how many games I'm doing just because you've got to switch between 27 different websites to get all the information. But yeah, on average, you know, the two hours that a game takes and then half an hour or so after the game to just kind of import all of the data and that's the basics of it done. But you repeat that there's at least two games most weekends sometimes there's four kind of thing that's that's like a decent amount of time on my weekend doing that how have you found balancing that with you were saying you've been doing some commentary as well live yeah so i do it while commentating so i am one of two commentators for the women's league we do every game so yeah that's 30 games this year so far plus four coming this weekend for finals that i've commentated and tracked at the same time And yeah, a lot of that is we run a very small volunteer team. So we have one camera person on location. And then in the booth, we have two commentators, the production manager and someone who's doing like the on-screen visuals. So the clock and what the score is and who just got a penalty and what it was for. And yeah, a lot of it's just like working with them and them knowing what I need. So like I do the sponsor reads during the game. So, you know, if get a stoppage of play the sponsor pops up and I have to read out their little spiel and Michael our producer now knows if we're doing it immediately after the play has been stopped because there's a shot he can't just expect me to start reading because I'm probably writing a number on a piece of paper or like Eric's who does the play-by-play commentary started getting really good at just casually mentioning in his commentary either who took the shot or whether or not the shot went on net, particularly when it's things like rebounds and like it's all messy in the crease because I'm quite often writing down the original shot. So it's nice to be like someone, oh, and you know, Erin Beaver got the rebound on that one from, goes on to even like give me a vague location on the ice. And like that's part knowing the players. So I know if it's Erin Beaver on a rebound, it's already 
in like one of two locations most likely and Eric's just like helping me out giving me that tiny bit more information so I can be like okay and so yeah we only we measure the shots in feet so you know we've got a little bit of room for error there which is nice which means sometimes you know I might not directly see the shot kind of thing but you know it came from this vague foot area on the ice using some deductive reasoning so you whack it down there and you just hope goals are always accurate because I'll watch the replays like I'll hold off even if I'm like, oh, shot, that was a goal. I'll like hold off and watch the replay and make sure I have exactly where that goal came from. But, you know, shots could definitely be a little bit more accurate from time to time. But just re-watching the game isn't something I have like allotted time for at the moment. It'd be nice to, but I would need a time machine. <laughs> you're mentioning, you know, like you're inputting the data in R, you're running Tableau dashboards. Um, what sort of gave you the incentive or the want to, I guess, share all this great work with people? I was doing it for myself to start with. So I already had the basic Tableau dashboard kind of thing just because like it's all well and good looking at a bunch of XY coordinates or like looking at them by a game, but like getting that kind of historical base of like where does a player like to shoot from is handy to know. So I was already doing that a little bit myself, but I started talking to like I those perks of the Australian league because everyone knows everyone. So I was talking to one of the goaltenders about what I was doing because I was, I was checking something with her. We'd had an issue with our stream one day and we'd lost like two minutes of video during which there was a goal scored and she was the goalie. And I'm like, Sarah, can you remember where this goal is from? I need it for this thing. And she's like, oh my goodness, can I see it? And I was like, okay, I guess. No harm doing that, I guess. And she was really interested in it. And then, you know, a couple of other people like kind of expressed that that would be something that I'd like to look at. So I was like, well, well, if I'm doing this, like I'm going to do it properly, not just, you know, I don't want to just give it to like one or two people in the league and give them kind of some weird statistical advantage. We might like, you know, if I'm showing that to just one goaltender, that's one goaltender that's getting all of the shooting information for every player in the league. And goaltenders like shooting information. The people who I know who use it most are the league's goaltenders. They're big fans of knowing where everyone's shooting from. Who would have guessed? Um, but yeah, so I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, it probably should be completely public. So put up version one of the dashboard and then coming up to the Christmas break went in and did version two, which is the one that's there now. So you've got like the team page, you've got the skater page and you've got the goalie specific page. So everyone can take something from it, not just looking at where specific players or teams are shooting from. Also showing where goaltenders don't like to be shot on from. How do they take that information? Fairly well. I will admit with the goaltender stuff, I was chatting with a couple of them at the time being like, okay, would from your perspective, would you prefer a heat map? or like just a shot plot showing which ones are goals and which ones are shots against. And they were all like, would prefer a shot plot. And I was like, okay, I feel like that gives more data to the public, but whatever. But yeah, very much, yeah, particularly with goalies, you tend to be a little bit twitchy, I would say, with how much people know about what they know. And like if on any given team there's someone tracking data or paying attention to data, it's quite often the backup goaltender sitting on the bench. Like it's not uncommon for them to be sitting there tracking shots are for the other team or where they're giving it up or things like that. Like lots of goaltenders on benches with little whiteboards drawing little X's all over it that they can, you know, 
go and study later on. But that's yeah, just very much how goaltenders operate. The more they know about shooters, the easier their job is, I guess. So yeah, it was very much done in like, are you okay with me putting this information out? But as for like skater data and like team data, I was just like, bad luck. It's out there, folks. And like we're using it on the stream and stuff like that. So everyone's very aware it's there. Whether they use it or not is up to them. You know, some people have said it's great. Other people just kind of know it exists but haven't really explored it. Um, But, you know, it's information that's there for them should they want to look at it. But it's also like this isn't a league where any of the players are paid. So, you know, it's not like, you know, they have worries in the NHL. Like they're looking at doing like hardcore player tracking next year with like GPS sensors in like location for like where a player is and where the puck is and like stuff like that so you can get millisecond by millisecond updates and there's been a lot of assurances made to players that that information can't be used against them in contract negotiations and things like that you know if you're slow you're slow it's going to come back to bite you eventually but sure like they won't get that data out but yeah with a league that no one pays there isn't necessarily like a monetary concern that comes with I guess data being publicly available to prove whether or not you're good if you're not doing great I probably just wouldn't look at the dashboard like you know if you're not shooting a ton you know you're not shooting a ton probably don't go seek out the information that's going to confirm you're shooting just as little as you expected yeah has there been examples where a player has maybe gone to you had a look at the dashboard and has asked you from some I know some tips from it uh not necessarily tips but like There's been improvements made to it or stuff that's been made available like to specific players because they've asked for it. Like goalies wanting to know how their save percentages change uh, from period to period of the game. Like, you know, how are they going like that? Because obviously that data is like to an extent there, but like not as in-depth kind of thing. They're not seeing what's happening specifically. But yeah, there's definitely like a lot of people like follow it, whether the dashboards for that or like uh, North American players that follow even strength and get information from that. We know they do it, but no one's super publicly announcing it. But that's just very much a hockey thing. Like there's very few players full stop in hockey that are publicly supportive of analytics kind of thing. It is still very much an old school culture. It's definitely a little bit different in women's hockey, like they're as a collective like miles more intelligent than their male counterparts just purely based on well based on the fact that you have like hockey in Canada and the states to an extent like you leave home at 16 to go play somewhere you get drafted at like you know 15 16 and you go away and you're playing three to four games a week like not saying that's not contributing to a great education, but you just have to listen to some of the interviews and you're like, can you, do you read? Like, I'm concerned. (laughs) Hockey players who can't list all of like the provinces in Canada worry me. Whereas like women's hockey, you can't go pro out of high school kind of thing. You have to wait until end of college. So all of these women's at minimum have an undergraduate degree you then have ones going back and getting masters there's phd students that are playing hockey you know you've got engineers there's doctors lawyers like these are a very intelligent group of people kind of thing so i think we will see like we've only just started getting like these publicly available like advanced stats in the past 12 months so you know 
the uptake, while not like rapid kind of thing, I think will progress a lot faster than men's hockey where, you know, occasionally you have a player who knows what course he is kind of thing. I think it's going to be uptake. It's going to be a lot quicker, uh, but it's still going to take a little bit. And, you know, I think it's going to take people like broadcasters and people like coaches paying more attention to it because it's all well and good if there's, you know, 10 of us on the internet screaming about it and using it in like the stories we write and like basing analysis we do on it. But as with anything, until it goes like mainstream, it's only ever going to be like a select group of individuals that pay attention. How far do you think this is from mainstream? I think it has the ability to go mainstream really quickly. But again, I think it depends on the broadcasters. Like none of these leagues are like full time on television. They're all relying on web streaming to some capacity, which means they're relying on, I don't know whether they volunteer or not. They might be paid, but you know, like this isn't like your NBC broadcaster kind of thing this isn't the guy who's been been doing hockey broadcasting since he was 10 years old and he's been through the trenches and he's been doing this for 200 years kind of thing like a lot of these people are you know mid-20s to 40s in age and I think it's something they could really easily pick up and learn how to use in their broadcasting it's just a way of working out how they need the data I guess phrased for them to make it something that they can put on broadcasts kind of things like we found using the heat maps in the AWIHL was a lot better than me just sitting there rambling about you know this very specific point between the edge of the circle kind of to the left of the goal mouth lots of shots being taken actually being able to like put a visual on the screen and show people this is where a team is shooting from people found really cool it's not something you know they've necessarily seen just full stop in hockey before like it's very weird. A lot of those people I talked about before, like, you know, Micah occasionally gets his um, visualizations used on like Hockey Night in Canada and stuff like that. And it's always like a big deal when Hockey Night in Canada decides to use like an actual shot shot that someone made. And I'm like, well, we're doing that in Australia. Admittedly, it's me forcing my own shot shots onto the broadcast of a stream that I'm commentating. So maybe it's less of an accomplishment than it getting through 20 levels of hockey night in Canada to like get onto the screen. But it's still like, in terms of like what's being made available in broadcasts, Australian women's hockey is right up there, probably leading or close to leading the pack. You know, CBC does a good job. TSN does an okay job during World Juniors. But, you know, there's not a lot happening on broadcast at the moment. Definitely not in other women's hockey leagues. So we have to find a way to break into that market. Because once we do and people start hearing about it more, you know, there's going to be more interest and people realizing that's a thing. But yeah, you just got to force it into the public sphere. And part of that just comes by educating broadcasters about what's out there and what they can use and how they can use it. So hopefully doing a little bit more of that during the off season and talking to some people I know and being like, what can we do to help you? What would you like? Because, you know, I think it is something that can be used really effectively, but people don't just necessarily know as an option right now. What are your sort of goals for the data? Um, What would you like? to do with it in the future um what would you like to do with your website even strength i just which is the nwhl site i would love for it to be more than just the nwhl like it's branded as the first women's hockey analytics website women's hockey not nwhl but for that to happen we really do need the cwhl to you know pick up the ball and come give it a try but at the same time yeah just improving what's on there uh there's a lot of things that have happened in men's hockey in the last 12 months that have looked really cool 
that uh, come the off season, you know, I think we're going to try and like give different things a shot and try and see what we can do. It's, I suppose, the blessings of being in a sport that's the same sport, but different data and people... It's not necessarily that the people who are doing men's hockey analytics don't want to do women's hockey analytics. It's that that they're, you know, still pushing the barrier in men's hockey. Like, they haven't run out of things to do yet. I can't blame them for not wanting to go back, like, regress and play it. I always try and describe women's hockey analytics. A lot of the time is we see a really cool thing that men's hockey is doing and we're like, wow, we'd like to do that too. So, you know, you go to Ikea, you buy your table, you get your instructions, you realise you don't have three parts and you have to work out how to build it anyway. We're very much, you know, trying to build a table that's missing a leg and you've just got to work out how to get it to stand up without that leg. So, you know, have to look at, like, what the progressions and advancements in men's hockey analytics have been this past season, what's feasible for us to do given the limited base metrics that we do have and kind of improve that. Um, And as for, I guess, the... NWHL data, or not AWHL data, planning on making it all publicly available. Well, doing it in a way like if teams or like players, you know, want to access the data here, you can purchase it for a very, very exceptionally low price, but also I would like to buy coffee. Or for people who are wanting to, you know, do publicly available analysis, you can just have it kind of thing. Having that as a data set out there that people can use so that hopefully someone's brain other than mine finds something else cool to do with it because that's you know how most of hockey analytics progresses someone does it one way and then someone comes in and goes okay but what if we do this with this so it'd be nice to have more than just me on that train but then at the same time yeah just continuing it next year you know we have one year of data we can't draw a ton of conclusions from it at the moment but, you know, at the end of next season, then we've got two full seasons of data and you can start, you know, comparing differences and, you know, looking at player progress. And from that, you know, you can start looking at things like age curves. Um, this is a league that starts very young. We have 14-year-olds in it. They are exceptional, the 14-year-olds who are. But, you know, what's the difference between a 14-year-old rookie and, say, an 18-year-old rookie? Because a lot of the time I think we're going to find that the 14-year-olds are actually better because they have to be so much more advanced than they actually are to like get into the league we have you know there's literally two 14 year olds this year one is a goalkeeper and has finished third in the league at the end of regular season in save percentage yeah wow third best goaltender 14 cool does she like her numbers not sure she's 14 so i don't know if many 14 year olds like maths that much We'll find out later. Um, and, you know, there's another one who's 14-year-old forward and has scored three or four goals in the six games she's gotten to play because she had to wait till halfway through the season to become eligible kind of thing. Oh, so 14's the age limit? Yeah, so 14 is you have to be 14 before you can start playing. Both Olivia and Nikki were 13 at the start of the season, so they actually had to wait until their 14th birthdays to be able to physically play a game. So just waiting for half the season. So yeah, you know, looking at things like age curves and because it is just such a unique position the Australian League is in. And it's not something we can draw data from internationally so much, Uh, even though I guess the Swiss League does a similar thing. But that's still like they're a lot more advanced in hockey, like their national team goes to the Olympics. Our national team is not going to the Olympics kind of thing. So as much as we can draw to comparisons, their top players are a lot better. So obviously they're, you know, 
occasional child that comes through that's really good is either going to be a little bit older or is going to be a lot better. So, you know, still not a comparable case study. We've really got to build our own data set to like look at what is happening with young players in Australia. What drove this interest in all the international leagues and why don't you just stick to the NHL? International leagues, like if if you get into hockey, you're always going to start with North America. It's the NHL and if you're even not doing men's hockey, it's the CWHL or the NWHL. Like that's your US and Canadian Olympic players kind of thing. That's where the best players in the world go. But at the same point, I think I was drawn to women's hockey just because like I did a lot of tech subjects at school the entire way through. I was the only girl in most of my classes. So, you know, I I work at a girl's school now. A big believer in females should be afforded equal opportunities to males. And there's 50 to 100 people out there doing men's hockey analytics. And yes, maybe it would be easier to do men's hockey analytics or harder, I guess, in some ways, because there's more people doing it. But, you know, the data's there. It's accessible. There's nice little R packages you can use that will just pull the data in. It's all beautifully cleaned for you already. But these women are really good. Whether or not they can play with the men, yada, yada, is a whole separate debate kind of thing. But they're the best in the world at what they do when you're talking about those North American leagues. And they deserve to have just as much attention put on them and, like, you know, attention played to their development and what's happening. And, you know, the easiest way for me to do that is through looking at the numbers and, you know, making them public accessible and drawing attention to people. Like you can obviously, you can go to a game and you can watch it and you can, wow, that player is really good. But you can't watch every game. Like it's not feasible between the two leagues to watch every game. I voted in the NWHL awards this year. I watched maybe I watched one game live in person. I watched maybe two on my laptop and I tracked a further five, but none of them I would call like a comprehensive watching. Like if you're tracking, you're not super paying attention to like the game as a whole because you're watching it in like slow motion to like make sure you get all of the stuff you want down. And, you know, when I was over there actually watching a game, I was half hanging out with my friends half being like wow they're so fast every five seconds a lot of it was you know looking at numbers and you know it's very easy way to get a holistic view of a league and how everyone's performing is when you know you pick 10 or so categories you want to see how they're doing it and you can compare them and go okay this player is performing this well in comparison to this or like even season to season you can see what the effect a bad coach has on a player just by how far they drop like that's not just a bad season like that's who buddy and like obviously you can look at their points and be like okay they're not doing as well as they usually are but when you look at things like how they rank percentile across the league is when you know you really start to see those drop-offs and the effects of different things on a player's like performance so you know I think it's just doing the due diligence and making sure that you know that information is available even if people aren't necessarily looking at it yet they're not going to have the same problem as when I went looking for it and it didn't exist because it does exist now. Maybe, you know, it's not as far along as men's hockey and we'd like it to be, but it's there now, which is the first step in kind of starting to level the playing fields in some way, shape or form. Yeah, cool. And I guess just to wrap up things, what's your team to watch? Who's your player to watch? 
And yeah, any final thoughts you want to just leave us with? North American leagues, as in I'd say the NWHL, Maddie Ely is going to make the US national team at some point soon. She's ranked in the 100th percentile in both goal scoring and in penalty minutes, which is probably why she hasn't made the team yet. Stay out of the penalty box, Maddie. Um, But yeah, she's a player that's had a really good sophomore season in the league and I think is going to continue to improve. She's in Buffalo, which I think is a great culture for players to be in. In terms of Australian players, I am really excited over the next, you know, five or six years to watch the two 14-year-olds I was talking about because they're already so obnoxiously good. It makes me upset. And they're 14. Like, I definitely wasn't that good at anything when I was 14. And they're already out there playing against, like, fully grown adults and looking completely composed while doing it. So I'm excited to see, you know, how they progress in the league and what they bring to the system. And, like, we just have, like, in general, a very strong crop of young players coming through at the moment as they all start to reach national team age. Um, I'm excited to see how that works and you know if that has any adjustment and watch our IIHF ranking is kind of thing we haven't necessarily moved up or down dramatically in the last while but with this current group coming through I really do think we have the potential to kind of jump up a couple of spaces in the next five or so years which will be nice and any I guess team tips like who do you think is going to do really well Australian League I think Melbourne hasn't been doing as well as people think they've been doing, particularly in the second half of the season. What's their expected goals like? Are they Ugh, Phenomenal. <laughs> it's a lot. They've just had – they started off really, really, really hot and they've regressed to like just normal hot. Like this is still – they're a very structured team. They play very well, but they've just had a couple of games recently where they've just had entire periods where I was like, did you get – body snatched in like the intermission like what happened to you kind of thing it didn't look like them whereas Perth which is our first expansion team in the league so we jumped to five teams this year which was a big mix up uh, for the league they took a little bit while a little while to heat up but they've been phenomenal in recent weeks and you know if I had to pip someone to come through and kind of upset it all this weekend I'd say they're definitely in with a shoe in there but you know the expected matchup is Sydney and Melbourne as it has been for a while. But yeah, I think Perth has the potential to come in and go full underdog on finals, which will be fun to watch. Yeah, cool. And any final thoughts you want to leave us with? If you are interested in doing any sort of women's hockey analytics or like anything, let me know. I can put you in touch with other people who are interested in similar things or just hand over data sets if that's what you're into. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Thanks for the chat. And yeah, I really enjoyed it and I hope everyone else does too. Welcome. Thank you for having me.